Good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me, church fam. I am Crystal Morgan, and my husband Brian and I have been coming to Good News for about 16 years. We have four children. They're on the front row over here. Well, one of them is, and we have a lovely friend holding the sleeping baby in the middle. Um, if you are new or visiting, we are so glad that you are here. There is a connect card on the seat back in front of you. We would love to know that you joined us this morning for worship. Um, fill out as much or as little information as you would like for us to know and drop it in the black box on your way out. Excuse me. Um, we have a Discover Good News class. If you have been coming to Good News for a while, and you would like to make Good News your church home. The dates are on the screen. Again, how do you register or sign up for that? Fill out the Connect card. Let us know what day you would like to attend. Child care is provided. And drop that in the black boxes on your way out. I am on a team that is organizing our Hello Fall event this year. And we are working really hard, yes, behind the scenes. Um, it is October 29th. That is a Sunday. It is a super Sunday. And we are um, looking forward to a chili cook-off. Um, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I think Lindsay Miller is the champion. <laughs> But you're not. <laughs> did, you, did you hear that it said champions? Did you hear that part? Yeah, yeah, I know. Did you sign up for any chili? Uh, I'm going to eat the chili. Are we signed up? Are we signed up? We're not signed up for chili. Okay, for the chili. But I am, I'm, you know what else I'm excited about, though? What? We need to get some people signed up today. I'm excited about the other part, too. The hunt, the, uh, what is it called? The hunter treat? Yes. I'm bringing my bow. I might bring a shotgun. Okay. This is going to no, no, be no, awesome. No, no, Did you read like, the email? It said trunk or treat. Did I read the email? You're the one that reads the emails. <laughs> Just call me. All right. Well, then, then you probably shouldn't speak if you so didn't read the not, email. So it's not hunt or treat. It's trigger, trunk or treat, not trick or treat. <laughs> did you read the email? Okay. Let's see what you did there. Yeah. Okay. So how about this, though? Tell me what it is that we need to do. To help make this event successful, besides the fact that everyone's going to want to win that huge trophy, especially the women in the house. They're like, please put that on my mantle. I would love for that to be, it's, it will go perfectly with all the decor I have for fall. Right? Right. 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 Okay. Yeah. No, we, we want 70 trunks because I don't know if you came last year, but there were, the whole community was here. It was fantastic. And we need about, um, no, 28 more trunks. 28. 28. We could do that, right? 28. Just need 28 more trunks. Yeah, 28. And what does it mean to have a trunk? So you could be the people that, you know, you wear something and you have some, some treats there for the kids. Or you just plop down your tailgate or open up the back of your trunk and you have candy. That's it. And you but can decorate it. I mean, if you, you decorate, decorate it. it. Yeah. Sure. I I'm just saying, if I'm, a, if, I'm a, if I'm a kid going through there, I'm not like, oh, look at the decoration. Like, can I have some candy? 
right? <laughs> so we need 28 people committed to giving us some candy, or giving the kids some candy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we signed up for that? Are we signed up for that? Did, <laughs> did the Gators win yesterday? <laughs> they did win, Wait, so we must be signed up. We're signed we up, signed yes. up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we need 16 more pots of chili. So maybe the trunk isn't your thing, but you're a really good cook. Maybe you're not a good cook. If you can read, you can follow a recipe. We need we need 16 more pots of chili, okay? We, hey, I'll try good. it. I'll try it. You'll try it? I'll try it. Whatever they made, I'll try it. Oh, okay. I'm committed. Wait, I thought you were going to sign up for a pot of chili. Okay. I'm signed up to eat it. <laughs> And I want a trophy for that, too. <laughs> okay, so October 29th, Sunday, 5 to 7 p.m. If you, how do you sign up? Sorry, I forgot that part. The Connect card, of course. So fill out the Connect card. Say, I want to, you know, make some chili. I want to do a trunk. Please let us know. That's how you, how you can sign up. And don't forget to drop it in the black box on your way out, okay? And now we're going to welcome Smiley up. We need to pray for him before... Really quick, do y'all know those? that October is Pastor Appreciation Month? Ooh. So make appreciate. sure you let Pastor Smiley know how much we love and appreciate that he, he did, shares did, the gospel. He definitely did not approve you saying that. I know. <laughs> but I, I, we love him. Amen. So Amen. Just, let's, yeah. let's bring him up. Let's bring him up. Father God, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to gather together and be reminded of the gospel and the power of the gospel in our own lives and the lives of others. Lord, I pray that you would speak through Smiley this morning, uh, open our hearts and minds to be able to listen to what you have to say to us, Lord. I pray as uh, we talk about leadership that you would just be um, ever present in, uh, in our families, in our homes, in our church and community. Give us the opportunity to lead and help us to step up, to know where to serve and to share the gospel. Give us confidence. Help us to gain that confidence today as we uh, open the word with Pastor Smiley. I pray that you would give him the words to speak and the wisdom and encouragement. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's a pretty tough act to follow there, right? This week we rejoice that we saw two people profess faith in Christ, and we rejoice with that. And what's really, really exciting, we had one new evangelist. We're praying that we would double the number of people who led someone to faith in Christ from last year, and that would be 92, and we're at 83 with, uh, you know, halfway through October. Really excited about that. Uh, this morning, if you're new, we believe the Bible is God's Word. We love to open it up and study it together, and we're studying in a book, 2 Timothy 3, so if you have your Bible, turn there with me, and if you don't, it's a great idea to bring a Bible with you. It is God's Word, 2 Timothy 3, and I'm going to ask you, if you would stand for the reading of God's Word, it might help us to pay a special attention to His Word, 2 Timothy 3, 14. You, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, 
for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. You may be seated. This story is why Americans are often called the ugly American. There was an American and he was in Africa and he saw a young man reading the Bible underneath a tree. And he goes up to the young man and says, in our educated, sophisticated country, that book is outdated and no one believes that book. And this young African man looked up from his book and smiled at the man and said, if that book were out of date in our country, you would have been eaten by now. Ah, that's good, right? The Bible is God's word. And when people hear his word, it changes people and changes lives. And we've spent the last couple of weeks looking at how important it is that we stand firm in the gospel that the Bible says in the last days, difficult days will come, and so we've learned to stand firm. And if we're going to stand firm, we need a foundation to stand on. And that's what we're going to explore today. We're going to look at the authority of Scripture, the authority of Scripture. And our point for the message today is really our core belief about the Bible. So I'm going to ask you, would you read this point with me? We believe the Bible is the Word of God and has the right to command our belief and action. All right, you can do a little better than that. Let's do it again. We believe the Bible is the Word of God and has the right to command our belief and action. Now, some messages take a little more thinking than others, so sometimes when there's a lot of theology in a message, well, come on, take out your I love theology because theology means the study of God. And you're smarter than the average congregation, and we're going to have to think a bit. But it'll be wor- if you'll think with me, you'll be glad you did. And here's why. The first temptation of Satan, the first thing that he did in the garden is he said, what? Has God said? So the very first temptation that Satan had was he questioned God's word. Don't we live in a culture like that? You don't believe that book. It was written by men. It's, it's not reliable, so pay attention. It's interesting. The two things Satan did was, has God said, and then he says, God's just trying to keep you from having fun. That God is against fun. So how do you spot the devil's lies? One is he questions God's word. The other is he says, God's against fun. He wants to make you miserable. <laughs> to which I would say, we do a really good job of that all by ourselves, don't we? Ah, so let's begin to unpack. We believe the Bible is God's word and has the right to command our belief in action. Now look at verse 16. We're going to learn two things about God's word. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable. The two things we're going to learn is the origin of God's word. Where did it come from? And we're going to learn its purpose. The origin of Scripture is all Scripture is inspired by God. It comes from God. It's God's Word. That's the origin. And notice the purpose. It's profitable. Why are we here studying the Scriptures? Because it's profitable to do so. So let's begin with the origin. Uh, Where does the Bible come from? That we believe the Bible is the Word of God. And the reason is it says right here, all Scripture is is inspired by God. That's the origin. Now, notice it says all Scripture. That means the Older and the Newer Testament. 
All 66 books from Genesis to Revelation, all Scripture is inspired. I mean, we see in verse 15, the Older Testament, right? Paul wrote to Timothy, And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings from your mother and grandmother, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. What he would have been taught from the time that he was young was the Older Testament, that that is God's Word. And then the Newer Testament, we see that in verse 14. Paul has been teaching Timothy, You, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of knowing from whom you've learned them. You've learned from them from me, the apostle. You've learned them in my writings. Um, the writings were accepted at this time as part of Scripture. Let me show you that. In, in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, Peter would write, verse 14, Therefore, beloved, I love the Bible, that we're beloved. Is that cool? That we're called beloved. That's why I love the Bible. We're, we're, we're beloved of God, therefore, beloved. Since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by Him in peace, spotless and blameless, and regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as also our beloved brother Paul, beloved another time, according to the wisdom given him, wrote to you. See, Paul's letters were scripture, uh, according to his wisdom given him, wrote to you, as also in all his letters, speaking in them of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which the untaught and unstable distort, as they do also the rest of the scriptures to their own destruction. Did you catch that? That they distort your letters just as they do what? The rest of the scriptures. So he's including what? Paul's letters with scripture, right? Ah. So all scripture, all 66 verses from Genesis to Revelation, their origin is God. All Scripture is inspired. Now, the reason we put on our theological hats is I'm going to give you a theological vocabulary, and this is worth remembering. It's worth writing down. It's worth remembering. The first word we're going to learn about is the word inspired. When we say the Bible is the Word of God, we say it's inspired. And what the word inspired means is God breathed. The literal meaning of the word is that God breathed into men who wrote down exactly what God intended. All scripture is God breathed. It's life-giving because it comes from the breath of God. He breathed into men who wrote down what God intended. Now, let me show you what that's like. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 Peter writes, for we do not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountains. He says, listen, this story about Jesus we didn't make it up. It's true. 
that Jesus is fully God and fully man. And, and most of his time here on earth, his glorious God was veiled. But you know the story on the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John, they were there and his glory was unveiled. Remember how Mark put it? That his garments were whiter than any launderer on earth could make them. So Peter says, we were there. We saw the glory of God. We heard his voice. And so many of us say, well, if we could have an experience like that, if we could just see that, if we could have been there, wow, we'd really believe and follow him. But notice what he says. We have something better. We have the scriptures. And you say, better? Yes, because experiences fade, but God's word lasts forever. We can read it over and over again and be reminded of who Jesus is. So we have the prophetic word made more sure. We have a more sure witness than being there on the mountain to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture... Now, most people, when they hear prophecy, think of predictive prophecy. Uh, but prophecy just means a word from God. The Old Testament professors, I mean, professors, the prophets would always say what? Thus says the Lord. So whenever a prophet spoke, some of that was predictive, but a lot of it was just speaking. Listen, that's what he's saying every time a prophet speaks. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. It's not just the ideas of men. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. God breathed into men through the Holy Spirit, and they wrote down exactly what God intended. Now, <clears throat> I think we read moved and don't quite get the full impact of that, so I want to illustrate it for you. The same word that's used here to talk about men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God is used in Acts 27. In Acts 27, those of you who, who know your Bible know that Paul is in a ship on his way to Rome during his, for his first Roman imprisonment. Uh, so he's on a ship in the middle, and, and we pick up here uh, in uh, Acts chapter 27. Uh, but before very long, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Euroquilla. Paul's in a boat, in a ship, they're headed to Rome. A violent wind comes called a Euroquilla, and when the ship was caught in it, and it could not face the wind, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. So what does it mean men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God? Picture Paul in this boat, and what they're being pushed along, they're being moved along by a storm. That's the same word used in 2 Peter to say that men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. We see it one more time in this chapter, in verse 27. But when the 14th night came, as we were being driven about in the Adriatic Sea. So when you picture 2 Peter about being moved by the Holy Spirit, picture that ship just being driven by the wind. That's what these men were moved by the Holy Spirit to write the Scriptures. What we mean by that is that the primary author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. The primary author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit, and those that wrote it were the secondary authors. They were the little ships that were being blown by the Holy Spirit where God wanted the ships to go. So, as we develop our theological understanding that we believe the Bible is the Word of God because it's inspired, there's two words I want to teach you about inspired. 
And the first is what's called plenary inspiration. Plenary inspiration means that the words were inspired. The very words of Scripture were inspired that God breathed into men the words that He wanted written down. We believe in plenary inspiration. And then another big word, what's called organic inspiration. And that means the entire person was inspired. So, listen, Matthew and Luke, their whole beings were inspired to write the Scriptures, but they didn't cease to be them. So you see the personalities of the authors in the scriptures because their personalities are still there because God inspired the whole person. So Luke was a doctor, and so Luke will tell you that the person was blind because that's what's important to him. He's a doctor. He's blind. But Matthew was a... And tax collectors do what? They count. So what does Matthew tell you? There were two blind men, right? Because that's what was important to him is he saw... Two of them. So what we've seen so far is we believe the Bible is the Word of God, that it's inspired. God breathed into men the very words, their whole being, so that what was written down was exactly what God intended. Now, the next theological word that it's important to understand is the word inerrant. Inerrant means without error. We believe in the inerrancy of Scripture that the God of truth revealed himself to men who wrote down what God intended and the scriptures as originally given were without error in inerrancy. And we believe the Holy Spirit who inspired men to write the scriptures has preserved the scriptures so that what we have today is the word of God. Inerrant or inspired, inerrant, one other important word to understand and that's the word infallible. And what the word infallible means is the Bible is trustworthy. It's trustworthy. It's reliable. That means there's no whoopsies in there. Remember last week, if you were here, two weeks ago, I'm reading in the Bible, and the word's there that says revilers, and I said revelers. So remember, I came back last week, and I said what? Whoops. I, I read the wrong word. But what infallible means is God will never say to us, whoops. He'll never say part of his word was wrong because the Bible is the word of God. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. Because it's inspired and God-breathed, it's inerrant. Because it's inerrant, it's infallible. So the first part we wanted to understand is, is the origin of Scripture, and that's what we've learned so far, that we believe the Bible is the word of God. Uh, we looked at what that means, that it's inspired, it's God-breathed, it's inerrant, without error, and it's infallible, it's trustworthy. It's trustworthy, okay? And now we're going to turn a corner and go from its origin to its purpose, to its purpose that it's profitable. Profitable. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable. So uh, I'm going to give you two more words, important to understand, to have a, a sound doctrine of the authority of Scripture, and that's the word authoritative, authoritative. And what that means is our final authority for belief and action is God's Word. Uh, when we want to know what doctrines to hold to and believe, we read the Scriptures because the Scriptures are our final belief, our, our authority on what to believe, and then action. 
When we want to know how to live, what marriage is, the proper place for sex, how many sexes there are, we read the Bible because the Bible is our final rule and authority for belief and action, faith and practice. One more word, very important, uh, from authoritative is the word sufficient. We believe the Bible is sufficient, that everything we need to be saved to follow Jesus and to be equipped for every good work is in this book. I mean, that's pretty cool, isn't it? Do you know there's way too many lawyers in my family? There's a lot. And if you go into their offices, there's all these books. And we have one little book, and it's sufficient. It's sufficient. Everything we need to be saved, everything we need to follow Jesus Everything we need to be equipped for every good work is in one book. Oh, and you know why I love the Bible? I mean, there's cookbooks that teach you how to cook. And there's math books. And they teach you how to do math. But there is no book like this book. And that from childhood, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation. Through faith which is in Christ, there is a book that gives wisdom that leads to salvation. I mean, I think all of us, we look at the world around us and we say, what? It's messed up. It's broken. What's wrong? How do we fix it? Do you know there's a book? There's a book that explains why the world is broken. There's a world that explains how we can fix it. You know what's wrong with the world? I am. You know what's wrong with the world? You are. Do you know the Bible says we're all sinners? Did you know that? The world's broken because every person is broken, and especially me. Remember when we started this year in 1 Timothy 1? In 1 Timothy 1, we read, it is a trustworthy statement, deserving full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save Sinners, among whom I am foremost. Jesus didn't come to help good people get better. He came into a broken world with broken people to save sinners. If there's anything about the Bible that I would think that everyone could agree on, it's that we have a sin problem, right? But most people imagine they're a good person in a bad world as they see it. Most people believe that they are a good person in a bad world. I mean, the world is broken, but not me. Oh, we're all broken. And because we're broken, we sin. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we're sinners. That's our nature. And what is a sin? It's a crime against God. It could be something we say. If we say something hurtful or unkind or gossip, you know, that's a sin, a crime against God. It could be something we think. That we're jealous, envious, lustful, angry. That's a sin. It could be something we do. We steal something, right? We engage in sex outside of marriage. That's a crime against God. And all of us have committed crime after crime against God. And we're in big trouble. What we deserve is hell. Uh, but Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Do you know there's a cure for sin? Do you know there's a cure for death? Once we understand the problem, then we understand there's a solution that Jesus, the gospel, is the cure for sin and death, that God the Son put on flesh and came to earth and lived a perfect life for us, and he went to the cross. 
And he took our sins upon himself. And he died on the cross in our place once and for all to pay in full the penalty for our sins, crying out, it is finished. He died, but the third day he rose from the dead. Did you know that sin and death are connected? That death is the penalty for sin. So when Jesus walked out of the grave, he showed that the penalty for sin had been paid in full and death couldn't hold him any longer. And he offers a salvation, a salvation from sin and death, a salvation for forgiveness, for life to do life with Jesus and eternity with Jesus. And how do we get the salvation? It's by faith, right? Isn't that what the Bible teaches us? Back to 2 Timothy. And that from childhood you've known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So let me ask you, are you saved? Are you? Because if you are, won't you say thank you, thank you, thank you? And if you're not, you say, well, I mean, how do you know? Notice, we're saved through faith. And so it's so important we understand what saving faith includes. Saving faith really is as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And if you've never done that, won't you do that now? Or I'll give you a chance as we close in prayer. But it starts when we admit, Jesus, what's wrong with the world is I am. It's not just that other people are broken. I am. I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry. Won't you do that? And then, and then, Jesus, I believe that you're the Savior who died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit. We trust him as Savior and Lord. Are you trusting in yourself to save yourself? Are you trusting? Won't you put your trust in him? Jesus, come in and forgive me and give me eternal life. And, and he will. And then... I want you to be Lord of my life. Today, the rebellion against you stops. You lead and I'll follow. Won't you admit and believe and commit? Um, and be saved while there's still time. And uh, if you have, <laughs> Jesus moves in, right? And he says what? I'm in charge now. I'm Lord. You're not. Follow me, right? And, uh, and Jesus becomes our model for life and ministry. And Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit. He gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. So, how do we follow Him? We follow Him through His Word and by His Spirit, right? All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching. We come to the Scriptures to discover what we are to believe as Christians. We get our doctrine from the Bible. So I thought I would share with you the foundation for sound doctrine uh, these are the five solas, and sola means alone. When the Protestant Reformation began, the five battle cries of the Protestant Reformation, and, and these are worth remembering, was grace alone, faith alone, Christ alone, Scripture alone, God's glory alone. The alone is so powerful. We're saved by grace, ill-merited, ill-deserved grace, favor, Grace alone. We're saved by faith alone. Not faith plus work. Faith alone. In Christ alone. Jesus did it all so we could have it all. The scriptures alone. There's one final authority for faith and, and practice, for belief and action. It's God's word. And life is meant to be lived for God's glory alone. That's sound doctrine. That's what we get from the scriptures. We come to the scriptures for teaching. Grace alone. Faith alone. Christ alone. Scripture alone. God's glory alone. <clears throat> so we come for teaching, 
But we also come to learn. We come to learn about behavior, don't we? That Jesus teaches in his word what is right and what is wrong. We don't get that from our culture. When we want to know right from wrong, we don't listen to our culture. We come to the scriptures, and he teaches us about what actions are good and which ones are bad. Uh, it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, or for, for... It's profitable for teaching. It teaches us what to believe and what to do for reproof. It shows us where we're off track, how we're not following Jesus, and for correction, how to get back on track. Um, I have to share with you a, a story about that, that I became a Christian... Uh, in April of my sophomore year in high school. And in June of my, between my sophomore and junior year in high school, we're, we're in this van and we're driving up to Windy Gap to go to a Young Life camp. And I've been a Christian for a few months, but, it, but my mouth was still, I had a, a filthy mouth. So we pull over to a gas station and my Young Life leader used the Bible to reprove and correct me. He did several things really well. He didn't do it in front of others. He took me aside. That's a good idea for reproving and correcting. He took me aside. And then he opened up the Bible and he said, Smiley, you're a Christian now, right? Yes. And you love Jesus now. Yes. And you want to follow him, right? Yes. And then he read Ephesians 4, 29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Uh, Smiley, did you know those words you're using are offensive to Jesus? Did you know that? And how many unwholesome words are we allowed today? What does it say? None. Wow, and the Holy Spirit took the Word of God, and I saw the words that I had been using in a whole different light than I had ever seen them before. Because that's how we follow Jesus, by the Word and the Spirit working together, and I was convicted. And then He corrected me. He said, instead of using those words, here's the words that Jesus wants us to speak. Uh, only such a word as is good for edification. Smiley, your words need to build up according to the need of the moment. We only say those things that are needed, and it will give grace to those who hear. Uh, so he says, there's three things before you say something. Say, uh, will it, uh, will it uh, edify? Is it necessary? Will it give grace to those who hear? And sometimes people say, you know, Smiley, you, you don't talk a whole lot. <laughs> There's not much that goes through my mind that meets that test, right? That, it, that it's going to give grace, that it's necessary, that it will build up. Wow. That's what the scriptures are. That's what it means to follow Jesus Look, we come to the Bible for teaching, but also to learn about a behavior. And sometimes when we come, we're reproved, and, th and then we're corrected. Um, reproof for correction for training in righteousness. Um, listen, if we want to follow Jesus, we need to train for it, to train for it. Did you know that? I mean, if you want to be a great ballet dancer, you just don't show up and, and try. What do you do? You... Train for it, don't you? If you want to be a musician, you don't just show up and play. You train for it. If you want to be a great athlete, you don't just show up. You train for it. Um, but I want you to understand with training in righteousness, this is really important. There's two kinds of righteousness. 
There's two kinds of righteousness. There's passive righteousness and there's active righteousness. And a lot of Christians get confused. That's why we're putting on I love theology. Passive righteousness is something we receive. We receive passive righteousness. The moment we believe in Jesus, He takes all of our sins and we're forgiven and we're given His righteousness. Then Abraham believed in the Lord and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. The righteous man shall live by faith. So there's passive righteousness that we receive, but there's active righteousness that we pursue. The Holy Spirit moves in us that we want to follow Jesus, so we train for it. Jesus says, follow me in the right way to live. Who wants to live the wrong way? Um, the Bible reveals Jesus as true. He really lived and died and rose. But the Holy Spirit reveals him as treasure, treasure. He's your treasure. And you know why that's so important? Because when Jesus is our treasure, following him will be our pleasure. And so the Holy Spirit's always saying, look at the life he lived. He lived a beautiful life, a righteous life. Don't you want to live like that? Follow Jesus. I mean, who wants to train in wrongness? Hmm? We want to train in what? In righteousness. The Holy Spirit's always saying, smiley, who's wiser, you or Jesus? Well, he is. Well, follow him. Who knows the path to happiness better, you? <laughs> that really is funny, isn't it? <laughs> or Jesus, follow him. Oh, you know what? When we treasure Jesus, when he's our treasure... Man, then following him will be our pleasure. That's what we want to do. That's why we come to the scriptures, because it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, and now the best. So that. Do you know there's an aim to study in the Bible? It's going somewhere. We don't study to know more. So that. And what's the so that? so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped. We come to the scriptures to be equipped. Equipped for what? For every good work. We've not been saved by good works, but we've been saved for good works. And there is a book that contains the good works that God has prepared for us. And we come to the scriptures to say, equip me for the good works you've saved me for. Who wants to waste their life? He's given us his word so that we could be adequate, equipped for every good work. Wouldn't it be great to be a part of a church where people long to be equipped for the good works that God has saved us for? And that's why we have this book. And that's why we have the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're together, right? Oh, let me show you those good works. And in Matthew 5, uh, you are the light of the world. Do you know Jesus? Do you? You're the light of the world. Are you always cursing how dark it is outside? All dark can do is be dark. But you who know Jesus, you're the light of the world. The light of the world has moved into you. You're the light of the world. A city where all little lights 
But we're connected in a body. Why is it important to be together? Because we're a city, not an individual. We're a city set on a hill, cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Oh, this is the best time ever to be a Christian because in our darkness, even little lights like ours shine so bright. Let your light shine. Let it shine. Well, how do you let it? We're going to see it's through our good works. And that's why we come to the scriptures so that our lights can shine in the darkness. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Jesus is our model for life and ministry. And when we follow him in life, we light up the darkness. Oh, when I love my wife like Christ loved the church, I light up the darkness. When I love my children and grandchildren the way Christ loves me, I light up the darkness and you can too. He's our model for life and ministry. When I love one another in the body of Christ, I light up the darkness and you can too. When I love lost people and share the gospel, I light up the darkness and you can too. Oh, how much time are we going to waste our lives cursing the darkness instead of saying, Jesus, equip me, equip me, help me to be a light. Help me to tame up. Let us let our light shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify God in heaven. Oh. Listen, so, so far, here's what we've done so far. We put on our theology hats because we had to walk through a lot of theology. And what we've learned is we believe the Bible is the Word of God and has the right to command our belief in action. And I introduce you to some words, and I know you remember them. Uh, those words are inspired and inerrant and infallible and authoritative and sufficient. So just in case you missed them before, listen, what we learned is inspired means all Scripture is God-breathed. That, that inerrant means without error. That infallible means trustworthy. That authoritative means the final rule of belief and action and sufficient. Everything we need to be saved, to follow Jesus and be equipped for every good work is given in His Word. So now, <clears throat> I'm going to take off my theology hat. And um, I want to talk to you like your pastor. Uh, and, and I want you to love the Bible. It's, I mean, that's all theology and that's good, but, but here's what I want you to do for an action step this week. For an action step, I want you just to Read, pray, and share the Word. It's God's Word. Now, many of you are not... Will you do this for one week, please? On your seat, there should be a study. This week, we're going to be reading in 2 Timothy just for one week. Would you read and pray and share the Word? So many of you have taken a challenge for a week and you haven't stopped. Way to go. And what do I mean? To read the Word and then pray the Word and share the Word? Well, let me go first. So, we read the Word, just like I'm reading all Scripture. It's inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God 
may be adequate, equipped for every good work. So I've, I've read it, and that's what stands out. So now I'm going to pray. Okay, let, let's pray, okay? Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that is profitable for teaching, for uh, correction, uh, for training in righteousness. Lord, help me to be equipped for every good work. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You see, you read the word, then you pray the word. Hey, did you know I'm sharing the word, that it's God's word? Um, but I can almost hear someone saying, you know, Smiley, do we, have to, do we have to read the word and pray the word and share the word? Do you know we have an amazing ability to take gifts from God and turn them into burdens? There are Christians all around the world who would sell everything they have to own a copy of the Word of God, and we sniff at it. Do I have to read the Are you kidding me? We have the Word of God, and we get to read His Word. We get to pray His Word. We get to share His Word. Um, our oldest daughter, Lydia, she loved books. Oh, she would get a stack of them, and then she'd back into my lap, and she'd say, read to me, Daddy. And I was, I was such a lousy dad that I would try and skip pages. <laughs> Those of you laugh, you do that too, right? And, no, Daddy. <laughs> Read them all. <laughs> what I wouldn't give for an opportunity to do that one more time. Such precious time. You know what else Lydia did? Every time she'd open up a book, she'd go. <sighs> because she loved the smell of books. I try and do that every morning. Now, I don't get into Jesus' lap, but I sit down with him. And when I open the Bible, I go, this smells like Jesus. And you know what I do? I say, tell me again. Tell me again how much you love me. And from cover to cover in the scriptures, he tells me how much he loved me. You know what he says? I love you this much. He died on the cross for me. Can you believe that? And then I say, tell me again how you pursued me. And he tells me how he loved me so much. He sent my young life leader all the way from Gainesville to here, and he sent the Holy Spirit to raise me from the dead. And to say, He did that for me. And then I say, tell me again how our failures are not fatal because I'm such a failure. As a husband and father and pastor, I'm overwhelmed. Tell me again. And he says, smiling. I died for all of your sins, and when you believe in me, we're forgiven, and I'm reminded that our failures are not fatal. And life is hard, and so every day I say, Jesus, tell me again how our lives are not futile, and he reminds me, I have a friend who's never leaving and a purpose big enough to give my life to. And I say, tell me again how our death is not final. And he says, Smiley, when you die, you're going to be with me, and one day soon I'm coming back, and we're going to spend eternity on earth and righteousness will dwell there, and every tear will be gone. Oh, and I thank him. And, I, and then I want to go, and I want to share him with others, don't you? Oh, this week, when you're with people, and they're telling you about their failures, 
won't you step toward them and say, me too? And I'm such a failure. But could I share with you what helps me? You see, Jesus helps me because when we believe in Jesus, our failures are not fatal. We're forgiven. Wouldn't you like to be? You can, you know. And when you're with people that's weak and they tell you how hard life is, step toward them, right, and say, me too. But you know what really helps me live in this broken world? I have a friend. His name is Jesus. And I have a purpose big enough to give my life to. Wouldn't you like to do life with a friend and a purpose you can in Jesus? And when you're with people this week and they've gotten a bad report from the doctor or they're scared by all they see happening in the world, won't you share with them what you know? Man, I get scared too, but I'm so thankful to be a Christian. Well, why is that? Because our death isn't final. When you believe in Jesus, you know the best is yet to come. I've been at this for a long, long, long time. But I have to tell you, I love the Bible. And uh, I love the Bible because it tells me about Jesus. And um, the most profound thing I've learned in 55 years with Jesus is this. Jesus loves me. This I know. You know how I know? For the Bible tells me so. Little ones, to him belong. They are weak. You know how weak I am? But he, he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Is that the most amazing thing ever? I mean, that is the most profound theological thing I've ever heard. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus. How do I know? How do I know? Come on, come on. Tell me. The Bible tells you so. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. We have a Bible to tell us how much you love us. You loved us so much you left heaven to live a perfect life, to die on the cross for our sins and rise so that we could be saved from sin and death and be forgiven and, and do life in eternity with you. Thank you. Listen, if you're here and you've never been saved, won't you, while there's still time? I mean, Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Well, won't you do that? If you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on a card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, for those of us who've received you, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your spirit. Lord, we're so thankful that your word is inspired, inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and sufficient. We're so thankful that your word is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that we could be adequate and equipped for every good work. Lord, this week, may we get up. May we meet with you and say, Jesus, tell us again. Tell us again how much you love us. And Lord, may we thank you. And we go, may we go out and share with others the most amazing thing we've ever heard, that Jesus loves us. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.